Hello, everybody. To God be the glory. Hello. We're here to magnify our Lord Jesus Christ for his incredible work on earth that he did 2,000 years ago. I seen a remarkable teaching last night. I guess it came on about 1.30 or 2 o'clock on Daystar, which is one of the Christian channels. And uh, this young man, in about 25 minutes, he taught about Jesus and, and the work he did. And he was in Jerusalem and he was walking through and he was showing all these places and explaining um, what took place and even the night in which the Lord was betrayed and him on the cross. And I was just so touched last night by what he had spoken. And uh, I don't know if you are going to be here for Passover, which is the Thursday before Easter? Easter, yes. Yes. Uh, I'm going to be, we're going to be doing a Passover dinner here. And the Holy Spirit laid it out last night how I'm to do that dinner. And this is our third, third or fourth. Is it the fourth one, Emma? Third. Third one? Uh, Passover meal that uh, we're doing. But this time, it's going to be done uh, somewhat different. And, um, no, when is this the, the Thursday before Easter? Oh, okay. Easter okay. is the 16th, yes, it is. So, this would be walk back the 15th of the Saturday, 14th. So, it'd be the 13th, okay. the 15th, yes, ma'am. And in that, we're going to see the Holy Spirit teach us some things that's about that night that took place. Uh, in Egypt with Moses them and we're going to sit that side by side and see what took place the night in which Jesus was betrayed in the upper room he's sitting there with his disciples and what's going to take place between those two teachings and how God really seen them as one event but Moses them during his day didn't understand that the lamb that they sacrificed that night, which would have been multiple, probably literally hundreds that night in Egypt, Miss Marie, because we are talking about an entire nation of people, nearly three million people. So that would have been maybe even the thousands of lambs that night that had to be uh, sacrificed. Yeah. And so, um, but that, 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 the number of those lambs that were sacrificed only represented a whole that one that was coming into the future, Jesus. And I'm going to be teaching on that, that Passover night. And one of the things, girls, that y'all are going to help me do, that blood up there, that artificial blood, mm -hmm. we're actually going to put it on the doorpost and the lintel on the outside of those doors, that door. Because we want people, yes, ma'am, we want people to see when they come in here. I want them to feel what that night was like and how that's going to parallel Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed. And then when they beat him and he shed his blood, I want them to feel the awesome power of the Holy Spirit when they come through that door and feel the atoning blood of Jesus, what he did that day. And it literally changed the course of human history. 
and it's going to be powerful and the glory of God, I believe, is going to settle in on this place like he never did before. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to do an amazing thing that night as we recognize the finished work of the cross and how it began at Passover that night. And uh, so I'm excited that Sunday morning we're going to do Easter sunrise service at our house in the field. Oh, you're kidding. We're going to. At my house, so you all get to come to my house. And uh, experience. And she only lives two minutes from me. So we're family. We're just one big conglomerate right down this road. Literally, other than uh, Miss Vicky and Tamara, them, everybody live off this road here. Yeah, 2741. Yeah, the I'm so looking forward to the presence of God coming in. And just like I am now at Bible study as we get ready to get started. Um, I do want us to be in prayer for Forest Grove. Uh, Sister in Christ from there saw me today in Sam's Club and she just broke down. She said, I'm so glad to see you, Sammy, but this is what's happening at Forest Grove. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, about it is worse that it can be. Um, I don't want to um, say anything out of order. I just want us to be mindful that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are hurting. Okay? And that we need to be interceding for them and asking God to intervene. Because that church doesn't belong to man. That church belongs to Jesus. Okay? And so we need to ask Lord Jesus to, to allow the will of God to be done there. Okay? The, the people are falling apart. Really. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's no unity. Excuses for stuff. And so, uh, but I cannot, I have to be very careful so that I don't bring a curse upon this church by the things that I say out of my mouth. Yeah. So I have to be very, very careful what I say. And, um, for some reason. And here, here's the thing for all of us to know, God sees it all, just like he sees what goes on here. Like he sees in every other church on the face of the earth, Jesus sees it all. Okay? Um, continue to pray for Brother Amelia's healing. Um, what? No, Crystal is moving back to Texas tomorrow. So they're, they're going to spend tonight with them. You know, it's gonna gonna break our heart. We love Crystal yeah. and her family. Those babies. Crystal has such a sweet personality. She she's a jokester though. Did she <laughs> back with all the storms? Uh, well, her husband is moving them back. So 
And she she love her husband, so she's she's going to be with her husband. Yeah. And and I can I can understand that and respect that because with me being in the military, some duty assignments I really didn't care about. But the army said you had to go there and blend in the kids. You know, like we go where you go. And so I respect that. All right. Let's get ready to go for the Lord in prayer and. I'll do the praying tonight, and then we'll go right into Bible study. Is that okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the precious name of your son, Jesus, giving you glory and honor because you're God and God alone. Father, no human on earth today know the depths of your majesty and your excellency. And Father, we desire to look upon your glory, just as Moses said, show, show me your glory. We, your children, desire to see your glory. There's nothing greater upon the earth than being in the presence of God. And Lord Jesus, you've made this possible through you coming as a human and dying on the cross for our sins and washing our sins away in your own blood. And Father, we are so thankful that you did not leave your loving son, your holy one, in the grave. But by the power of your Holy Spirit, you raised him from the dead. We ask him now, Lord, forgive us for our sins. Those things in which we thought that nobody else knew about. The things we've done in darkness and those secret places that only you could see. Jesus, will you forgive us for those things as well as those things that we've done to other people in your name? And Father, there uh, seemed to be a, a spirit of confusion and, and, and hurt that's going throughout the land. And your children seem not to be prone to that, Lord. We're all subject to those things when we take our eyes off you. We say things to one another and we hurt one another. And we're asking you, Lord Jesus, to help us to love one another with the love that you love us with. And we're asking... Father, for an extra measure of grace for Forest Grove Baptist Church. And we don't need to go into details about what's going on because you already know, Lord. And we're just asking for mercy, Lord. Bring your people back together again as one. Lord Jesus, by your spirit, give them a heart of repentance as well as us, Lord, because we've done things that you were not pleased with as well. And now, Lord, we're asking that you continue to watch over your people, Israel. Be with them, Jesus, for they are the apple of your eye and will always be. And we ask that your spirit be with them and your, your peace abide in your holy city, Jerusalem. And dear God, we're asking for you to draw the saved, draw them to your son, Jesus. Bring them into your holy sanctuary where they can hear your living word and be converted by your son, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we're asking you now to touch every heart. Lord, not all your children are struggling. Others are standing upright before you and walking according to your will. And yet there are some of us who are struggling spiritually. And we just ask that you will strengthen us, O God, in your presence. Your presence is the only thing that we can depend on, Lord. And Lord Jesus, you are the living word of God. Have your way in our midst. We miss you, Lord, every day that we're not in your presence. We miss you, Lord. And we're just asking, come and fellowship with us. And now, Lord, we're asking that your Holy Spirit teach us your living word. 
Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand. And then, O oh God, by your spirit, help our spirit to be in strict obedience to your word. And Jesus, you said, that's how we show you that we love you, that we keep your word. Now, Lord, our God, be glorified and glorify your son, Jesus, with the glory that you too had before the world was. Thank you now, Lord, as we look into your word that you had your servant Moses to write several thousand years ago. Let it be fresh to us today as it was to him when you gave it to him by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. Um, Genesis chapter 2. You're going to see that it may appear to you that it's another account of creation as if God did a new created order, but it's not. It's not. Keep in mind now, this is the first time in human history that God has given a detailed account of creation. And the man Moses is under the anointing of God, under the direction of God, is writing about creation. This is the first formal writing that the world actually have. And it's coming forth from the heart of God into the man Moses, and the man Moses is writing out what God has shown him. And this has to be something incredible because God shows Moses what happened in the beginning, and he shows John what happens in the end. <laughs> and I wanted them two brothers actually talking in heaven. I mean, between the two of them, they got the whole picture. You know, one has the beginning, the other one has the end. Uh, I always thought, boy, that's, I would love to be between them two brothers. <laughs> what an education we would get. Um, so in Genesis chapter 2, let's take a look. And remember now, Moses is writing from a Hebrew perspective with an, an Egyptian education. Does that make sense? Moses was schooled by the Egyptians. His former education came from the Egyptians because he was raised in Pharaoh's house for 40 years. And then went in exile for 40 years. He was 80 years old when God called him at the burning bush. Okay? And now we don't know at what point in the journey of the next 40 years that God showed this man creation. So at some point in time, because Genesis is a very long letter. It's, it's 50 chapters long as we know it. In the beginning, there was no chapters and there were no verses. It was just one big letter. Okay, written in the ancient language of Hebrew, not the Hebrew as they know it today, the ancient Hebrew. I got books back there to show you that the two are nothing alike. Okay, now what what we will see from there is that hi there, come on in. You can say hello. I haven't seen you, Hank. And this the baby Bailey. Yeah. Baby Bailey, yes. Yeah. We got Bible study going on, but that's okay. I just want to give you a hug real quick. It's right. good seeing you. You too. Hey, girl. Hi. How was the wedding? I thought you was getting married sitting there. 
Good. All right. Good seeing you. Take care. All right. Um, back to Genesis. Bring it back up. So here, here we have it. Moses now, as we get coming out of Genesis chapter 1, you will see Moses is going to tell you what God just done. He, it appears that he's bringing a closure to the creation account. Okay? And so listen to what he says here. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. What is he talking about And all the hosts of them? In Genesis chapter 2 verse 1, he's saying, this is what? Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. What is he saying when he's saying host? What, what does it mean? Oh, yeah, the inhabitants. And, but when you're looking at heaven, what, are the ho what is the host of heaven? Well, God is the creator. But in this context, what is he talking about? He's talking about all those trillions of stars and planets that are out there. That's what he's referring to. Okay? And so, in verse 2, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. And somebody said, well, boy, that seemed redundant. But you know, listen, Moses wanted to let you know that God took a break. Okay? That's the easiest way to look at it. In six days, God created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he took a break. Okay? So he wanted to make sure you got it, so he said it twice. Um, verse 3, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. Now again, that's the third time, right in a row, Moses said God took a break. So, what did he do with the seventh day? He hollowed it. What do we mean by hollow? Uh, it means that God took that day and he set it aside. That's what hollow means. It comes from the same word as sanctified or holy. It means God took that day of all the other six days and he made this one special just for him and his people to rest. Okay? And not only rest, it's a time of worship and praise for him and it's a time of reflection for his people towards our God. Okay. Verse 4. And he wanted to make sure now that you have this. This is the history of the heavens and the earth. Now the King James says that these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. History and generations, they can reconcile, they can be together. It's just no disparity between the two. And basically they're saying the same thing. This is the account in which God done all of this. All right. So this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Now in the Hebrew, interesting point here, the Hebrew does not use the word created. It uses the word made. Made. It's translated as M-A-D-E. God made. Okay. Uh, Hebrew used two two forms, and I, I'm actually learning Hebrew, so I'm going I'm going and I'm studying and I'm looking. Like, Whoa, okay. It used terms tobo fubo, meaning God took nothing and made something. You go, girl. <laughs> and that's what he did. God took nothing and made something, and this is the something that God made. Why do Hebrews celebrate on Saturday? 
Because they got it right. <laughs> we got it wrong. <laughs> All right. It said right here in the scriptures, on the seventh day, God rested. The Hebrew calendar, do you know what the first day of the week is? Sunday? No, sir. Saturday. What did you say? The seventh day to Hebrew is Saturday. That's the Sabbath. That is the seventh day. Okay? And so, if we learn to do what they do, we would be on the same accord as they are. All right? Now, is God going to get us for that? I don't know. I hope not. Okay. Before any plant of the field was was uh, in the earth, and before any herb or herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. I want you to imagine a barren land. As far as the eye could see, there's nothing growing. No vegetation, no nothing. Until God did what? Until God said, let there be, and there was. And we can't say there was because it still is, right? So we can, this is going to blow every English rule out of the book. So we can always say there is. Okay, so there was, there is. Now, so God created, or God made, the first irrigation system. God made the first irrigation system. Let's take a look. Yeah, let's take a look. You hear this, friend? Verse 6, but a mist went up from the earth. That is the first irrigation system. Right. You know, a little. So God called little sprouts of water to spring up out of the earth. To water the new vegetation that he had created. To make the earth look beautiful and green. All them nice exotic flowers you ladies like. All those fruit trees and grass on the plains and in the hills and the valleys and on the mountains. God calls it to be watered by water coming up from the bottom. The first irrigation system. Okay? Now, there's a note for you to remember with that. In verse 6, Remember that four chapters into the future. Where would that put us? Four chapters into the future. Where would that put us for his events on earth? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You go, boy. It puts us at the flood. And it'll tell us how all that water came on the earth. And that was one of the ways how God caused the water to come up out of the earth as well as from the sky. Okay? So I say there's a little tip there for you to take a note on. 
Alright, second guy, second. Verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Remember now, in chapter 1, in verse 26, it tells you and I that God had created man. Right? Because he had that meeting said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then it tells us that God made it. The next couple of verses said God did that, right? Now what Moses is doing, see, it's kind of like you kids in college. Shake your hand. Okay. When you read your college textbooks, there's a thing called uh, an abstract. Especially you folks that take psychology. And you haven't had that yet, have you? I just took three, three um, psychology. Okay. A lot of times in your textbooks, there's a little block up there that's called an abstract. And sometimes when you write papers, my wife, my daughter, and others here, myself included, the professor tell you, make sure you put an abstract of what your paper is about. Okay? An abstract is another way to say overview. Not a summary. You know, you're in formal writing, when it comes to stuff like that, you don't say that to your professor. Just call it an abstract. Call it what it is. But anyway, there, Moses in chapter 1 gave us God's abstract of creation. Does that make sense? Now, what's in chapter 2 is the body. Okay, because after you write your abstract in your college paper, then it's followed by the body. And finished up by the summary or the conclusion. Okay? So, what Moses did here in chapter 2 is he's going to give us a lot more information. Alright? It's kind of like, alright, you want details? Here they are. Is this making any sense to you? Okay. Can you put verse 7 up to the top? Okay, hit that little block that's... I don't know what happened to our... Yeah, that's one way to do That's smart. Who's operating the computer today? You go, girl. Maybe go, go back up to the other... Hit that. There you go. That means I'm not going to adjust the frames on the projector again. That's all right. All right, so in verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Because remember now, in Genesis 1.26, it didn't tell you he made man from the dust of the ground. It just said that he made man in his what? In his image and in his likeness. Now Moses saying, okay, this is how he did that. So God has just taken some dirt. Taken some dirt now. Okay. So, the farm man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, on that verse right there alone, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we can preach sermon after sermon after sermons on that alone. Why? Because this is where you see God blowing a portion of himself into us. And we cannot be alive without God's spirit. The breath of life is another way of saying God blew his spirit into the dirt and the dirt became a living being. 
In other words, God just gave us his spiritual DNA. Did you get that? So we didn't come from a monkey. Okay? We did not come from a monkey. And Brandon, you can have a seat and you can ask questions. The only way you're going to grow, you got to ask questions. So, it blew in his nostrils the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the same one that we see in chapter 1, verse 3, when it says, The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. Okay? But that's him right there. He blew a portion himself into that dirt. And all of a sudden, those grains, those particles of sand became flesh and blood. Wow. No science lab can do that. Huh? He's God. He's God. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, no science lab can duplicate that. And matter of fact, where would they get the dirt from? Because the dirt still belongs to God. All right. Now, so he blew the breath of life, and man became a living being or soul. Uh, and here's the thing that you need to know too: is that this is not earthly. This is not an earthly event. Okay, this is the terrestrial enter into the celestial and making it alive because that which is on earth cannot live by itself without God. Okay? God is the source of all life and he is the sustainer of all life. Jesus is, John says in John chapter 1 verse 3, John said nothing came into existence without him. Meaning, Jesus is the author, the designer, the creator, the engineer of life, of creation. Jesus, the very one that they strung out on the cross. He's the one who created all of this vast universe and everything that's in it. Okay? So, in essence, when you read Psalms 24 and it says... The earth belongs to the Lord in the fullness thereof. The word Lord there is Yahweh, standing for God. So how can we reconcile the two with Jesus? It's simple. Jesus is God. He's the creator, God. Because John said that in John chapter 1, verse 3. Nothing came into existence. And actually the Greek verb that is used is genomai, and it means nothing happened without him. Nothing happened without Jesus. And then Paul writes over in Colossians chapter 1, Paul said that all things was created by him and for him and placed under him. Well, what does that mean? Jesus is the author of creation. And it's under his authority and it's being kept by him. Wow. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. It tells us, And he holds all things together by the word, by the power of his word. What does that mean? 
Jesus is the living word that keeps the universe alive. Amen. Jesus. The very one that people reject today don't know he's the one that gives them their every heartbeat, their every breath. Uh, and Paul says when he was in Athens, Greece, at a place called Mars Hill, he was standing there telling these Greek philosophers, there was two groups of them, one called the Stork, another one's called the Epicureans. One group believed that, oh, the gods did not involve themselves in the affairs of men. So man was created by something else. And then the other group said, well, we don't want to offend the gods. Uh, they were the ones who created us. Hmm. But if you go through that particular chapter, you'll find out that Paul uses their own philosophy against them to teach them about the one true God. However, what Paul says is very interesting. In verse 26, Paul said, God took and made one blood. And out of that one blood, God created the nations. What does that mean? Every human being came from the same DNA. They all have yeah. red blood. We all come from the same red blood from God. So next time you want to call me a nigger, the next time you want to call me a cracker, or a speck, or whatever other name you want, to, you better be looking in the mirror, Joker, because we are blood relatives. Right. <laughs> all right? Yeah. Because that's what Paul said. And if you got a problem with who we are, you better take it up with Jesus. Because he's the author of creation. Is this making any sense to you now? Where does Adam and Eve come in this? <clears throat> they were just God's producers. God used them to produce the human race in the likeness of humans. Okay, God took and made Adam and they made Eve, brought them together, and they copulated and oop, produced a human baby. And thereafter, and I always laugh and said that the only two humans who probably didn't have a belly button was Adam and Eve because they were created by God. They didn't come from a woman. So we're all related to Adam and Eve. You betcha. God first made Adam. And then out of Adam, he made who? Eve. Eve. And then he brought the two together and made us. So how are you going to tell me you don't like black people? And how are you going to tell me you don't like white people? Or yellow people? Or brown people? If we all come from the same mama and daddy. And who came from the same God. We all have red blood. And we all have the same red blood. That's true. Yeah. So how are you going to tell God? You made a mistake when you made them black folks. Or you made a mistake <laughs> when you made them hunkies. Because then what some people like to say, they like to put these labels on people. And call them these crazy names. Rather than call them. And by the way, the name Adam in Hebrew can represent two things. One, it can represent just a soul person. And the other is a representation for the entire human race. So you have to know, now you were going to answer that one, didn't you, boy? You've been learning. Now you go, boy. But, but, so you have to be very careful how you interchange those two. And um, another thing what Paul said to those Greek philosophers, he said, well, let me tell you about this one God whom you say. Uh, he's, Paul said, uh, he's not very far from any of us. Okay, though you grow from him, he said, he's not very far from you. And because of him, 
We live and move and have our being. Okay, break that down. We live, we move, and we exist because of God. Period. And now John said, I want to make it even closer for you to understand. Let's put a picture and a name with him. He's the word and the word became flesh. And what's his name? Jesus. John said, that's how simple we want to make this God out for you to understand because he wants you to understand who he is. He is your creator. Oh, by the way, he's also the son of God. Well, how is that possible? Take it up with God. He got the answer. All right. Let's look on a little bit further. Is it okay with y'all? Uh, am I confusing anybody yet? Okay. You're, you're getting something out of this crystal? Yeah. All right. You're not agreeing with me, are you? Because if you didn't, you, you would tell me, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. In verse 8, and you notice I'm just going through the New King James Version because it's pretty easy to follow. Um, the Lord God planted a garden. The Lord God in this context, uh, this is where Moses give us Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, the self-existent one who reveals himself, Yahweh. Although he made himself known to man, he brought himself to us. We didn't go to him because we didn't exist. Once he created us, where was he? He went back to his throne. But then he did something so amazing and so wonderful and so loving. He stepped down and came to us daily through our parents, Adam and Eve. And newsflash, just in case you may have forgotten, he's still visiting us today. And King David even wrote a thousand years before the birth of Christ. And we see it in Psalms 8. He says, what is man that you're mindful of him and that you visit him? David said, I can't believe, look how lowly you made us, and yet you care for us, and you can visit us. Yeah. <coughs> That's some incredible stuff. That's awesome that the Almighty come down from heaven and visit with man. And then he took on flesh and blood and came and lived with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he didn't kill us. Even though some of them got in his face and called him every name except who he is. Okay. So the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Eden is just a part of a place that nobody really know what it means. But we do know this is God's creation. God created this place called Eden and it has to be a specific location on earth that he created and he put a garden east of it. Okay. And so in this place, God does something so extraordinary for us that he didn't do for everything else. Let's see what God did that day.
So the Lord God planted a garden, each foot in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So I asked people, where was Adam created? And a lot of them said, in the garden. I say, you really want to take me on on that one? Yeah. Adam and Eve was created in the garden. I said, uh-huh. Krista, where were Adam created at? Look at verse 8. What was he created at? The answer is in verse 8. He was created where? No, it was not created in the garden. No, it wasn't. It says it in verse 8. Why is it so complicated? Look at verse 8. Let's go through it. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. So where was the man created? He was created in Eden, not in the garden. After God, notice God made the man first, then he made the garden east of Eden, and then he took the man and put him in the garden. And by the way, the word garden here is not the word garden in his original language as we translate it. It's paradise. The Greek word in the Septuagint is paradisa. It's paradise. Okay? And paradise is translated as garden. But if you look at it from a paradisal standpoint, you see something so glamorous. And that's exactly what it was. Now, the rest of the earth was gorgeous. Don't get me wrong now. The rest of the earth was gorgeous. It was knocked down gorgeous. But paradise was something else. What God did, God made a small portion of heaven on earth when he made paradise. So you hear me? And the Bible does say that there are mountains in heaven. There's a river in heaven. There's all kind of beautiful stuff in heaven. So what God did, God made a small portion of heaven right here on earth and called it paradise. And he took the man and placed him in it. So, y'all, if you're not getting this, you're, you're missing it. Are you, are you hear me now? God took a portion of heaven and made it right here on earth for us. And it was in that place where God would come and visit man. That must have been something. Because our finite minds, we can't fathom that. We can't grab a hold of it. Because when we look out our windows and our doors, we see junk. We see pollution. The results of sin. We see every dilapidated thing that there is. We, we see filth and scum and it's just bad. And it's hard. We have to get on a plane and travel thousands of miles to these little places we call exotic islands with beaches and crystal clear waters and then waterfalls and lush landscape and in order to kind of get a little understanding. And we go, man, I've been to paradise. and go, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> you should have seen what God gave our first parents. <laughs> That's nothing. That was just the leftovers. <laughs> God took from that and made the best for us. But we blew it. 
When I say we blew it, our parents blew it, Adam and Eve. They blew it, therefore we blew it because we, the Bible tells us that we was in Adam's loins, okay? We were part of his DNA, not yet brought forth. Okay, so we blew it. Now, is that some good stuff? It is. It really is. When you go, and I can imagine from a Hebrew standpoint how they saw it, because we're getting the watered down version. That's why I want to get with some Jewish rabbis and say, teach me what you know so I can teach them. Because this is something else. Man, we didn't begin to look at the majesty of God yet. And portion of his majesty is in creation. That's what that tells us. God didn't put any junk down here. Okay? So the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight. <laughs> you ladies, as a matter of fact, you ladies don't have anything on me. I love beautiful flowers. I really do. I love planting them. I love walking in a garden that have the aroma of bananas and gardenias and valid and you just name it. I love that that freshness. And when I put in my fish ponds beside my house in South Carolina and they were cascading and we had all kind of exotic plants around them and, and it was in like a little oasis, you know, trees and put a swing out there in a big old night light and, and it wasn't far from our bedroom so we, we every night we heard the water cascading. And uh, we had all kinds of exotic fish in there, and and there was three sets of ponds, and we had built a half moon wall back there. The kids go and sit there, and our neighbors seemed like they owned it because they stayed there, seemed like more than we did, and that was okay with us because we learned to love people that way, and um, that was just a small, on a scale of ten to the one thousand. And you know that nobody can't figure that one. We don't have a computer big enough to do that calculation. Am I correct? And so, but I understand what God was doing here. He was showing us something about himself. He was showing us that no architect, no designer can match what I do. And here's the thing, Miss Marie. We got to put the two and two together. What I mean by that? The creation of man. When God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. What the Almighty was saying is, you never seen, you would never see anyone like you. Because you are like me. And it made us unique, every one of us. He did the same thing with her. He did the same thing with you. He did the same thing with you and every other human. God said, I'm making you in my likeness and in my image. And you got to know that God has nothing bad about himself. And we have his portion. And then where God lives, the humble abode of God called heaven. God took and brought a portion of that to earth that he called paradise. There is translated as the garden. 
So now we got the best of the best. We got the image of God, and then we got the place of God on earth. Wow. Did you catch that? And that's what the Almighty did for us by his son Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. And that blows my mind. Uh, as you young folks like to say, I can't wrap my mind, my brain around that. David said it eloquently in Psalms 139. He said, God, how do you know so much about me? He said, I can't get it, God. It's too high. It's too lofty. He said, what human can reach that level of understanding of what you, God, did about me? How you know me so intimately? He said, it's too lofty. I cannot attain it. He said, God, I can't comprehend it. It's too deep. It's too deep. So all of this, and then when we read the creation Psalm, Psalms 104, take a moment one day and read Psalms 104. And it would just bring joy deep down in your soul to see what the Almighty did on earth by His Spirit. Because there David gives all the glory to God and the Holy Spirit. And of course we know Jesus is there too. He's not absent. It's just the name is missing. Okay? And the majesty of God in his word brings all this back alive to us. I'm going to need an operator here. It's going to cut up on me real quick. And so... Um, People say that God doesn't exist. Folks, a fireball did not bring this together. But you know what I mean by fireball? What am I calling the fireball? Big Bang. Yes. Uh, I had the privilege in my first three years in the Army to learn a lot about explosives. Okay? And I've blown up enough stuff with C4 and detonating cord and shape charges to know that explosion does not bring things together, does not bring order. It's violent and it rips things apart and the, the heat disintegrates things. And so I know whoever thought of that is telling a lie. Because when God spoke it, we go, bam, there it is. No. David gives it to us very, very plainly in Psalms 33. We talked about that in verse 6. And how the host of heaven came out of the breath, out of the mouth of the Almighty. When he spoke, it began to form. As it came out of his mouth, the universe began to unfold. Unfold. And all those galaxies and things, there they were. Everywhere. And those different star clusters and all those zones out there, there they were, interwoven with one another in perfect sync and in perfect harmony, 
showing forth the glory of God, as David wrote in Psalms 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show forth his mighty works. And then it tells us in the next verse that they give a testimony day in and day out. They say the heavens are testifying that God made us. Take a moment and read Psalms 19. Take 104 in verse 19 and I mean Psalm 104, Psalms 19 and Psalms 33 and put them all together there and look at them in your mind and just get blown away. And you go, Wow. That's what I do when I my daughter back there tell you many times we've been in our den over the years and and I'm reading the scripture and all of a sudden the spirit gives me a great illumination of what just happened. And I sit there and I say to them, did you see that? And they go, dad, are you, are you losing it? <laughs> see what? They go, never mind. Because that's the kind of revelation God wants for all of his children. For you to open yourself up to him and by his spirit, through the name of his son, Jesus, he begin to show your mind's things in his word. And you go, and you become flabbergasted. How do you explain that? And then it goes on and says, so out of the ground, God, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the, to the sight and good for food. And you wonder why your taste buds like all this unusual things and you like to look at all these unusual patterns and palettes and it's because God said it's pleasant for you. He said, I didn't give you anything ugly to look at. He said, I didn't give you anything bad to smell. So when you walk into paradise, Adam must have been floored. Adam must have been floored as he's walking and looking and going. Phew. There's no pollution, Miss Marie. And this man, God just created him. And I, you do understand this now. This is so wonderful. And one day I never really thought about this until the Spirit said, Samuel, look at this. And I'm, I'm going like, look at what? He said, a man is watching God put the garden in Eastwood of Eden. Because the man was here first. So he watched Father do this. And then all of a sudden the man is levitating. And then he's in the middle of this, this beautiful place. The place where he come from was gorgeous. But now he's in this extraordinary place and he's looking and he's going, wow. And there was nothing that was harmful there. No ferocious beefs, no, 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 no vile animal, no poisonous plant. Everything was in harmony with itself and with God. And God told the man, he said, son, I want you to do something. Yes, Father? And I imagine Adam and God had a father-son relationship. I can't see it any other way. 
It wasn't just God and a servant. It was a father and his son. You know how I know that? Because in your Bible, I want to show you something. I want to show you something that is so sweet and precious. You know what I want to show you, dear child of God? I want to show you something. Okay? Look at this. This is Luke, right? Mm -hmm. Chapter 2, yes? Mm -hmm. Now, when we read in Luke, we get all kinds of stuff about Jesus here, mm -hmm. baptism and all. And then Luke began to give a genealogy about the world, mm -hmm. the ancestors of Jesus. And it gets down to the first human made. Do you know what Luke called that first human? Do you know what that first human name was? Adam. Here's what Luke said about that first human. Which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of... God. So that was a father-son relationship between Adam and God. Man, that blew my mind one day when the Holy Spirit showed me that. I'm going, whoa, people like to get Adam a bad rep. They better watch their mouth because they're talking about God's son. So you better shut up and look at your own sins before God. Okay? How are we on time? Good, we got two hours left. <laughs> All right, verse 9. And out of the ground, the Lord God, he made all this wonderful stuff, right, Maurice Nelson? And then in the latter part of that verse, in verse 9 there, he said, and there was what? The tree of the knowledge of what? Uh, yeah, and what else? Okay, there was a tree of life, was also in the midst of the garden. So as long as Adam ate from that tree, he would never die, die right? And then there was another tree in the garden called the knowledge of good and evil. That one was like a motion picture. That one had fruit that would open your mind up to a world that you weren't supposed to look at. That one would give you something that you weren't supposed to have. It would give you knowledge about something that God said you didn't he didn't want you to have because now it would show you good and evil and with that because we know how the evil one works on this one he'll make evil look what good and good look what evil and it will mess your head up and in this one this tree here by going into that you will have to make some decisions and when God as long as you did not partake from that that tree, you did not have to worry about anything with God. You didn't have to worry about anything bad happening, okay? Mm -hmm. Because you wouldn't even know that bad exists. All you knew it was you and God. <laughs> he was nowhere around yet. So this was just God and his son, Adam. Wow. Check it, check it, check it, check it, baby girl. Verse 10. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. 
So the, God started out with one river. Okay? A single river. And from there it parted and became four river heads. One river. All of a sudden it does this. This one river is now this. There are four rivers coming out of this place called paradise. Four rivers. So I like to swim in that first one, get on down. Then I get to chew, go this one, this one, this one, this one. And they're all pure, right? Because they come from the same fountain. So maybe the first one kind of represent the river of life. Because it's pure. And it produces, it produces four other rivers. Okay? It shows it produces life. And so, some good stuff. Right? And then, the name of the first one is Pazan. Okay? It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah. Okay, Anna, we need some translations. Okay. What is Havilah? What is the land of Havilah? The land Havilah is Saudi Arabia. Because later on in Genesis 25, it tells you it's east of Assyria. Anybody know what Assyria is? Assyria is Turkey. What's east of Turkey? Saudi Arabia. I know I've been there. Spent months there. <laughs> okay. So, and then it says where there's gold. Saudi Arabia is the world's largest producer of gold. It has the world's largest gold deposits. And when we were there, we bought gold so cheap. I bought, I sent home 18 karat gold this, 21 karat gold that, and it's so pure that it, it the pure the gold is, the higher the carat, softer it is. You can just take your hand and just bend it. That child back there, two years old, sent her a beautiful ring made out of 18 karat gold, and she chewed it up. <laughs> Chewed her mama ring up. Took the gold earring. She was in uh, dance. My wife said she was up on the stage and she took the earrings out and threw it out in the crowd. I guess somebody out there got rich. Oh boy. And so, anyway, shake it. Shake it. Now, look at it. <coughs> Verse 12, and the goal of that land is good. It still is today. And then the way you pronounce that other word, you've dropped the B. The B is silent. Oh. I just taught you how to pronounce it. How would you pronounce it now if you silence the D? Dillium. There you go. All right. And the Oxnick stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. All right. What is Gihon? It's the name of the river. Okay? Gihon, by the way, we don't know where it went. What direction? Because during the flood, 
a lot of these those rivers, their courses were what? Changed and some of them just went away altogether because the flood just did what? Filled them in. Okay. But we do know maybe it possibly could be the Nile River. Because it says right here, it is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. What is Cush? Africa. Africa. All right. And then, this is some good stuff. 14, the name of the third river is Hedekal. In the book of Ezekiel, it tells you that Hedekal is the name of the river Tigris. It's the Tigris River. Yes. It's the Tigris River in what country, Emma? Mesopotamia. In what country? That's, that's the river valley. <laughs> What's the name of the country? Isn't it? What country? Come on, you're close. You're right in Mesopotamia, yes. What country? It's in the same country as the, as the Euphrates. What country is that? Come on. Is, that, is it Saudi Arabia? Nope, it's north of Saudi Arabia. What is the country north of Saudi Arabia? Iran. Iraq. Okay. I knew it was one of those. Iran is further east. Yeah. Okay. Are we okay with all of this? Yeah. This is. Oh yeah. So when you study these regions and look at these rivers and stuff, you're going, "Whoa, boy! You think maybe God knew what He was doing? You betcha. Right. So, where are we? We're at verse 14, mm -hmm. and then the fourth river is Euphrates. We know how <sighs> that one runs through Baghdad. Baghdad? Mm-hmm. You must have went through it. <laughs> Euphrates and the Tigris both are right there in Baghdad. That's where they intersect, right there. In fact, the Tigris is a pretty big river. So those two rivers still exist today. The Tigris and the Euphrates. All right? In fact, the word Hebrew comes from beyond the river. That's what it means, beyond the river. They're the people that was beyond the river. What river? The Euphrates. And also in the Bible, the Euphrates River is known as the Great River. Okay, in the Old Testament, it's known as the Great River. All right? Y'all stay with me. We're moving right along. And then... The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So God says, son, you got to go to work. One translation says, till. Till means what? Soul. Yeah, you got to mess up the soul. Yeah. You got to take care. You got to do some stuff. Got to cultivate. Cultivate. T-I-L-L. -L. Yeah, I thought it said T-E-A-L. Uh-huh, not tail. Teal. Like tilling, tilling. Okay, so you got to cultivate. Adam, you're not getting a free load here. Man have always been meant to work by God, so you can't be lazy. All right, there's your biblical answer for it. 
So put them in the garden to do what? To keep it, to till it, to, and all good stuff. And the Lord God commanded a man saying, now here's where the prohibitions come in at. This is the very first pro prohibition we see by God to man. Verse 16. Okay? Listen, ladies. Listen, gentlemen. Because you're about to hear when your God, our God, gave man the first instructions of what not to do. Up to this point, he's telling man what to do. Now he's telling man what not to do. Okay? And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But, verse 17, there it is. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. That is the first commandment of not. Not. So if you want to know why man had to be saved, the not. <laughs> okay? There it is. The not. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely. God just told you there will be graveyards. Okay. There will be graveyards. There will be tombs. But if you don't want tombs, you don't want graveyards, don't eat. And for some reason, it didn't soak into our first parents. And it doesn't soak in with us either, because we're still hard-headed. But we still had a choice. Who did God give the command to, us or the serpent? Us. There you go. Yeah. So we knew what the Father said, regardless of what the serpent did, we still knew the truth. But the serpent... Doesn't matter, God... Go ahead, darling, go ahead. I shall shut up and let you speak. No, it was Eve's fault that Adam was. No, it was Adam's fault. I thought it was Eve. Adam still had a choice to make, just like Eve. Didn't, didn't it also say that Adam, like, kind of disturbed? I don't want to tell next week's Bible study. <laughs> oh! <laughs> okay. Now... In verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Over this point, we had a maid. We didn't have any nagging women <laughs> on the earth. Lord, forgive me, because every woman on earth right now want to whip my butt. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help, a helper comparable to him. King James said, help me. Whatever the case it is, guys. It did, God did not make you to be our doormats. He did not make you ladies to be our slaves. God said, help me. He said, a helper that's comparable. The word comparable means equality, to be equal. Okay? Now, that go right back to when God said, let us make man in our image. And the scripture said, and he made them male and female and gave them what? Dominion. Gave them dominion. Not him, but them. Okay? And so the word comparable or equal to him is very, very uh, important to grab a hold of. Because God did not create a male chauvinist society. Man did. 
And God did not create a feminist society. Man did. Okay? Now, the Greeks did get this one word right when they call it androgynous. The word androgynous means man and woman. In other words, a man knows when to be masculine when he needs to abound as a man, and he knows when to abound like not as a woman, but have traits like a woman to be compassionate, to be caring, okay, to be gentle. And not that God was taking anything from the man and giving it to the woman, and God didn't take anything from the woman and give it to the man. He said, you are comparable. Hello. So for you old conservative types that think the woman need to be your doormat, go back and study the scriptures and study them carefully. Okay? Study them carefully. Now when God did his appointing in, in ministry, how he set up his ministry of putting the man first, God can do whatever he wants to. Okay? And I'm not talking down on women again. God is the one that pointed the order of ministry, not man. Is everybody okay with that one? Mm -hmm. All right. So God says it's not good for man to be alone. Put 18 to the top real quick, please. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. Notice how Moses jumped here. He first told us that God said it's not good for man to be alone. And next thing you know, he's talking about birds and stuff. And listen, God gave the man what to write. He didn't tell him what order to write it in. He told him to write it down. And then again, this may have been the order that God gave him. So Moses what? Wrote it down. If you got a problem with it, take it up with Moses. And Moses is going to tell you to take it up with who? God. God. All right, Crystal, we're moving right along. So, God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was, that was its name. In other words, Adam had a job to do. Can you imagine all the species on earth? Oh, my Lord, how long did it take that poor man to name all that stuff? Woo! And he looked at Jeremiah and he said, I don't know what to call him. <laughs> <laughs> a little Sam and Nelson humor coming out. But I'm sure. But, but every species. Now, remember now, Adam did not give all these subcategory names, okay? Adam named the what, Emma? He gave the major category, such as dog or wolf. And then after, uh, the, the subcategory, man did what? Came up with that. And like you said, cattle, right? Man came up with the other stuff, all right? Adam said, fowl of the air. Man came up with parakeet and pigeon and whatever, all right? So that's what, and, and even with naming the major, all the major categories, that still was a lot. That was a lot. Birds. Yeah, birds. But most translations, the English translation is mainly the one that says bird. Most translations around the world say foul. Foul. F-O-W-L. Okay. Uh, so Adam did. He went to work. Verse 20. Um, 
And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. There it is. God brings it up again, saying, I need to do something about this. And that's just some flagpoles there telling you and I that God was about to do something else. Folks, who was the last order of creation? It didn't say that. But you was the last order. But you said the best. You women like to think that we're the best. No, the word of God said you're comparable. He said you're comparable. <laughs> Neither. It said comparable. If you were doing a, a mathematical equation, comparable means what, Emma? What's There you go. Okay. See, I have to take y'all back to school so y'all can understand me. All right, here it is, Jeremiah Jones, Maurice Nelson, especially Maurice Nelson. So he don't know to treat women like dirt. And that he don't, and that he don't walk on women. And he don't use women like a piece of junk. That's my son. I can talk about him any way I want to. <laughs> and he going, why dad slamming me like that? Because <laughs> I just can. All right. It's because I love him. That's all. I don't ever want my sons to walk on women. Okay. Let's take a look here. Verse 23 and Adam. What happened with Adam? Not verse 23, 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. So here it is. Adam is in where? He's in paradise and all of a sudden he gets sleepy. He falls asleep. Adam is walking along and he does what? Because he falls asleep, right? Ah, right, he's sleeping. But he didn't know that his father just getting ready to open up his body. And so it tells in verse 21, and the flesh of my uh, 21, I keep wanting to read 23, I just can't wait to get to it. So deep sleep falls on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs. Who's the he? God. God. And then God closed up the flesh in his place, the first surgeon. Here, the first surgery just happened by the first surgeon, God himself. The first anesthesiologist. Uh, help me out. Anesthesiologist. Yes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so God, God does it all right now. Wham, there it is. Without any gas. Okay. And so, no stitches either. And the brother, the brother didn't even hurt afterwards. He didn't wake up. Oh, pain in my side. Uh-uh. The brother woke up and didn't even know what had hit him until he opened his eyes and go, whoa, mama. Uh, just Sammy Nelson again. I'm sorry, guys. I like to get kind of, I like to get animated. Is that okay? Alright. So then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. So here it is, Maurice Nelson. Maurice, I will tell you how when your mom and I first met. I must remember I'm in church. <laughs> Y'all remember the Commodore song back in 1976, 1977 time frame? And it says she's a brick. Oh. No. Oh. It says she's a brick house. Now, and he gave some figures there. 
I'm, bad. I'm a bad boy Bible study today. <laughs> and it said 36, 24, 36. Okay. Oh, what a what? Come on, Jeremiah Jones. You know it. Oh, sitting up. You ain't been in church all your life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she, she was a fine mama. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maurice Nelson, when I saw your mama, she was a fine mama. I'm talking to 36, 24, 36. Oh, what a winning hand. Yeah, baby. And she was mine. <laughs> and I imagine with Adam, when, he, when God brought Eve to him, and we have some fun at Bible study tonight, aren't we? Miss <laughs> Nelson would have been here. She'd have been blushing. And she'd have gone, that's my rock, too. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All for you. <laughs> All right. Enough of that, Sammy. You're in church. <laughs> but I can only imagine, though, what Adam seen. And I can only imagine what you two ladies look like in your prime. And because you're gorgeous, you're knockout gorgeous now. And I imagine, boy, and you're from your mama Eve. You look just like your mama Eve. You ladies in here, all beautiful because your mother, Eve. And let me tell you what woman stands for. Stands for uh, Jeremiah. When God, yeah, say it again. You, you can't do it because you're not the man. You can't get it right, girl. So when God brought Eve to Adam, he go, whoa! And he got, he got the W mixed up with the M and said, woman! And Steve meant to say, whoa! Okay? <laughs> Is that all right? <laughs> again, that's Samuel Nelson theology. That's not from the scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on and said, because she was taken out of man. And he didn't try to pull, put himself on a pedestal and say, oh, man, boy, I am handsome, so she's fine. No, he realized that God didn't make any junk. Okay? Y'all know that old adage that says, I know that I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. junk. Oh. You just need to get out of here. You're just messing up everything today, girl. <laughs> All right. <laughs> In verse 25, 24, therefore, 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 what does therefore mean? It's a conjunction. But what kind of conjunction am I? Therefore. But what is he talking about? Therefore points backwards, doesn't it? It, it's, it points to an antecedent. Am I correct? So an antecedent means that I'm pointing back at something that was just previously done. As a result. It has, and this is the result. There you go. See, this brother, I should have been in your classroom years ago. All right. So this is the result, Zora. So that's why you should not feel bad about yourself ever. Women. Because Adam goes, look back here and let me tell you this. And he wasn't going to look back there. He said, look up here, look back there, and see what God has done. Okay? Well, what did he do, Jeremiah? Therefore, all right, what God just done, therefore man shall leave his what? Father, and actually this is really not Adam talking, this is God, actually. Leave this portion here. Leave his father and mother. Were there other humans on earth? No. So there's a prophecy coming forth from who? So that means the earth was going to be what? Populated by humans. Oh, you see, you know how to recover, don't you? 
because I was going to get you. And so, man, I would love to have been there. When Adam received Eve, and boy, and he's seen this fine specimen, I would have lost my mind. Okay? Because I remember what Miss Nelson was like when she was a young lady. When we met, no, 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 years ago. It's been a long time. Jeremiah, how old are you? Well, she and I met longer than you've been in the world. Okay? And I laid eyes on that sister, and she was a student at Florida A&M University, and I was a young, rambunctious soldier in the Army, stationed in Europe. Come home on leave and run into this foxy mama and go on. And you know what? I didn't have to worry about any other women. That one took it all. Okay? And she had me ever since. Good. <laughs> and I can't wait till some joke will get you. <laughs> Talking all that smack over there. Uh, folks, what God was giving to mankind here is that he said, I'm about to do something with you. I'm about to produce a people that's going to love each other for eternity. And they're going to love each other like I love you. Because that's what this last verse is about. This is an eye, an eye opener to all humanity that God gave us the same kind of love that he has for his son. And the same kind of love that the son has for his father. Okay? And it's that same kind of love that is mimicked between husband and wife. And it's a love that cannot be disturbed by man. And it cannot be disturbed by spirit. Folks, you hear me well. When God speaks these next words, he's not only talking to the man and the woman. He's also talking to the spirit world. Did you hear me? Most divorces occur because man listened to the spirit world rather than to God. Hear me carefully, everybody. Divorce occurs because man listened to the demonic part of the spirit world rather than listening to God. Because in the next verse right here, God says, listen, listen, listen. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother, his father and his mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That means there's no disparities. There's no separation. That means there's absolutely nothing that's going to divide them. Why? Because the next verse says so. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and was not ashamed Separation comes when one side decides that they're ashamed of the other. And that leads to divorce. And people, God is not pleased when that happens. Regardless who you are. Okay? And Jesus would later go on and tell us in Matthew chapter 19. It's recorded. And then Paul records it again in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, what God has put together, let no man put asunder or tear it apart. Okay? And then you got people think they're smarter than God. They're going, how you know God put us together? Did you get married? Yes, then shut your mouth. 
Don't be trying to play semantics with God. You're not that smart. Okay? You're not that smart. You cannot outsmart God. Wow. Finish right on time in the last breath there. So. <clears throat> Next week. People. <clears throat> what lies between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3? We don't know how much time expired between those two time period when God created man and what takes place in the garden because there's going to be an invasion in the garden. There's going to be an invasion in the garden. Okay? You can let it go. I don't need it. An invasion that's going to take place that's going to question the Almighty and it's going to influence the two people that God loved the most on earth, because they're the only people, but God loved like he loved himself. It's going to break God's heart. It's going to break God's heart. And what's really sad is the two people who God loved so much, their behavior is going to be emulated by their descendants all the way until the Lord returns. This is tragic. And this thing is going to impact heaven so badly that God himself is going to have to take on flesh and blood to scrape this mess out. And we're in the season now where we're going to be celebrating God himself having to come down and clean up our mess. His name is Jesus. In the Hebrew language, Yeshua. And we're going to be looking at that in depth. So I hope you come with your ears ready to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Because God got a message. And you got a message that's going to alter your life forever if you obey. If you obey. We had some fun tonight. We had some fun. I mean, with my silliness and ignore the silliness, you still see the truth of God's word there. That God don't make mistakes. He doesn't. And God still isn't making mistakes. You hear me? And if you don't learn anything tonight, learn this from the prophet Jeremiah, who got it directly from God. I know my plans that I have for you, said the Lord. I know my plans. Brandon Doyle, God says, I know my plans I have for you, not to harm you, okay, but to give you what? To give you what? A future and a hope. To prosper you, the Lord says. And he said that by way of the nation Israel, <coughs> that God was sending back into captivity for 70 years. And that was a, an example for the Gentile world to learn. 
that God's plan for the human race is perfect. His plans are perfect. And what we're about to see in the garden next week is a creature so heinous that he wanted to subvert God's plans that it has for you and it has for me. But in that very moment in the garden, after the most tragic event that takes place in human history, you're going to see God saying that my plans will not be altered for you. I still have a, a future for you. I still have a hope for you. And we're going to see that in Genesis 3.15. And even though for the next several thousand years, men are going to have to go through pure to hell. And many will lose their lives because God himself will come and wipe them out. Come with you. Heart open to learn next week. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your living word. What a joy it is to be in your presence, Lord Jesus, to see what you and Father had done. And Lord God, what a word. What a word. All that you've shown us, Lord Jesus. The heart of the Father in creation. The Father ordered it. You loved it. And Holy Spirit, you carried it out. And you're still doing that today, Father. And Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, help us to be able to grab a hold of how much you love us, Lord. And Jesus, you will always show us your hands and your feet. And when we see those scars, we'll know how much the Father loves us because you're his love to us. And Holy Spirit, you make sure that we know that. Watch over us now and keep us until we meet again. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen.